Catching Up with Jamie Crick, Kerry Ellis and Johnny Bunyan. Once again, your theatre week, except that we're going to be looking back over the last few months and hearing some of the best interviews we had and some of the great guests we enjoyed seeing here at Acting Up. I mean, there's such a list, including Lucy Jones, Ben Foster, Sharon D. Clark, Rachel Tucker and many more as well. Johnny's not with us, but Kerry is. I am. We've had such a wonderful season. I've just loved it and I'm, I'm excited to go over some of those interviews that we did and also to see who we've got coming up next season. I'm excited. What about the outtakes? Oh, no. No, because no, no, seriously, some, apparently they're going to play the outtakes at the end of the show. I'm not I mean, sure that's wise. No, it's not a good idea, is it? <laughs> what do you mean outtakes? It's all been just perfect. Perfect, isn't it? Perfect. <laughs> so, Kerry, it's a few days before your final concert with Calabro. It is, it is. You know, it's been a great run. We've had the best time. But we do have this huge final show at the Albert Hall and I can't wait. Kerry, what a season we've had. I mean, it's been amazing. Some of the people we've had the chance to meet and all of them, big stars who've been on the West End. I know you've been on a West End (laughs) stage. So just getting that insight into what it's like to do that job, because it is a job, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And what's been really interesting is to have such a diverse panel of people we've had in. And yes, obviously, a lot of them are my friends and colleagues and I've worked with them, but it's been interesting to hear their stories and those nuggets of information that perhaps we've not heard before. They've been awesome. One of the shows, in fact, two shows have really featured quite a lot in this series. <laughs> and the first one was Les Miserables because um, the show is ending at the Queen's Theatre in London and moving just up the road to the Gilgut and they're doing this special concert performance throughout mm. the summer uh, whilst they refurbish the Queen's Theatre, which hasn't had a refurb, I think, since the 1950s mm. or something. So a lot of work to go on there before the new production moves in. So we talked about the differences between the different productions. A lot of people love the newest one, which is the one that's going in. But we also talked to, um, well, uh, Jean Valjean himself. We did. You know, Lemis has been our big star, really, of the whole season. And to have. We've all been in it. Well, everybody's been in it. I think pretty much all of our guests have been in it. But John Owen Jones is like, I want to say, one of the figureheads of Les Miserables. He's been, I think, one of the best Jean Valjeans I've ever seen. And he's just. Just magnificent. You're about to do the new concert version mm. of the Lamers that's going into the Gilgood. Mm. Thank you. What do you think it's going to be like? Do you think it's going to be slightly staged like they're doing at the ENO at the moment when they do those big shows, concert version shows? Or do you think it's going to be quite static? What, do you, have you got any information? I've, I've got no information whatsoever, <laughs> no, unfortunately. Well, they phoned me up Christmas Eve. Oh, and asked Merry me Christmas. if I'd, I wanted to share the role with Alfie, and I jumped at the chance. Said money wasn't discussed, uh, the length of the run wasn't discussed, the location wasn't even discussed. <laughs> but I do love Limis, and um, I just wanted to be back in the show again because yeah. I always had a great time. As you know, you know, Kerry, because you do. and I did it many years ago. We did. You've got I mean, such a history with the yeah. show, though, haven't you? I mean, you've been mm. part of it probably most of your career, in and out of the tour, the, the West End, the, on you've done it on Broadway. Yeah, it's quite a big part of your history. So, do you think this is going to be quite a moment is it going to be something different or because you've also done things like the 25th anniversary yeah i mean it's it's basically sold out it is yeah, yeah. I mean, bar they're releasing yeah. some more tickets at end of april but, yeah probably I mean, for been... the wednesday matinees where i'm on as well Jean, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> i think our fees are all sold out but um yeah there we are um well I'll, so can i just tell you then with regard to les mis i 
I did the 10th anniversary, the 20th, did the 21st. You do the 10th? I yeah, I was in the, the choir. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the album. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so right. I got to sit back and, and watch, uh, you know, these incredible yeah. performers, wow. you, know, you know, like Coleman, Philip Quast, and then I call them friends now. That's you know, amazing. it's incredible. Yeah. I was going to ask you about that because Jean Valjean, as a role, is so pivotal to the whole thing. Mm. And you, you carry the show to a certain extent. You've got to go on, and, you know, the story's around you. And you've seen people like Coleman do it. And, you know, going on stage and doing that for an audience who quite often, I mean, I've been to see it so many times, know the show, they've seen other people doing it. How do you feel taking on that role? Because it's a brilliant role. Yeah, it is. And um, I always felt like I was custodian of something that was bigger than me. And, you know, the privilege of playing that role, certainly at the age I was given it, uh, looking back now, I was far too young to play the role at 26, but I was given the opportunity and I grasped it with both hands, you know. But the role means a lot to me personally, because not only have I been able to buy... You know, five or six houses and, you know, <laughs> yeah, a yacht. The driver's outside. Uh, yeah, and the driver's know, yeah. outside waiting for me. The engine's running. Money's no, expect, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no object. Yeah. Um, but I met my wife working on it, you know, and oh. so it's been a hugely important part of my life. And um, I got the opportunity to reinvent the show um, and Jean Valjean for the 25th anniversary tour, which is the version that's now coming into London. I was well, going to ask that. Yes, yeah. yes, I, was, yes. I was really interested to know because we've been talking a lot on this show about the fact that yes, Cameron's... Oh, very good. Yeah. Cameron's closed, closed, closing the the original production and this the touring version's coming in i was in edinburgh three weeks ago to see the tour i actually yeah. saw edinburgh when you did it all right absolutely loved it what are your thoughts on this new production coming in because you, you're unique in the fact that you've performed in both productions mm. what are your thoughts behind the idea and, of this and, coming and in and the background of our conversation is that a lot of people have said oh you can't mess with the original production but we're also saying shows change all the time yeah you know well adapt. look at any, any shakespeare play there's like myriad different versions of of hamlet for example so you know there's not one definitive version version and the fact that Les Mis has got a life beyond the set design and beyond the original direction just goes to show how strong it is. Mm. Now I think people have sentimentality about it because it might have been the first thing they ever saw in the West End but you know technology's moved on, people's idea of theatre has moved on and I think that the new version of the show and I said from my point of view it has a much clearer storytelling. Mm. The problem I had when I first saw Les Mis, I mean, I hated it when I first saw it because I didn't know what the hell was going on. Yeah, of course. You know, it was too long and it was too dark <laughs> and, um, you know, I just didn't understand who, who, who's that guy? There suddenly he's not awake, suddenly he's not. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah what's going yeah. on? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, and that is because I wasn't versed well enough in, in theatrical storytelling at that time. Now, I could go and watch it now and understand it all. But the new version is much clearer when it comes to storytelling and also we took the opportunity when we were putting it together to take bits from the book which are very mm. important to the story and, and mm. just you know give little nods and winks to them mm. in the new production for example there's uh, the little character Petit Gervais um, who is directly responsible for Valjean's epiphany it's nothing to do with the bishop in the book and if you saw the TV show recently that happened in the TV show Absolutely. and so we put a little nod to that in the new direction it was my idea I don't get paid for it but you know it was my idea um, so and so that kind of thing for me um, uh, people will also I think you know they've responded I've done it in New York this version I've done it all around the UK I've done it in Paris I've done it in Dubai and it's a really refreshing new new look mm. at the story you know um, I think to be honest 
if you put both of the productions together, you'd have the perfect limits. And maybe mm. one day that'll happen. happen. Oh, the wonderful John Owen Jones. And we had such a good time doing Les Mis together all those years ago. And we've gone on to do endless concerts. And he's just, he blows me away every time. And it was just so wonderful to have him there in the studio. It's Acting Up with Jamie Crick and Kerry Ellis today. And if you want to subscribe, Acting Up Pod is the place to do it. And when you do, give us those five stars. You just subscribe and it's free. Let's go back to the Olivier Awards and a show I went to see with the extraordinary Sharon D. Clarke, who won an award in the Olivier's this year. And um, we talked about it last week. She's been up for so many different awards, but she's not won the Olivier oh. so far. And she got it because she got she, it. Well, she's amazing. She I mean, is. her voice is something else. She's a dream, Sharon. And not only on stage, but off stage too. She's just such a warm, wonderful, inspiring person to be around. And I think what she had to say was really interesting. She talked about actually the the generation of black people invited over who now have been told their contribution to society doesn't mean anything. And for her that's really personal because her parents mm. came to the UK and there's been a whole controversy about people who've come to the UK and how how they were treated and certainly the government has responded to that. She also talked about the lack of diversity of roles in television. I look on it that my parents left Jamaica and came here in order to give me a better life. And yes, my life would be very different had I been born and raised in Jamaica. Here, I have had the opportunity to follow my particular dream through to its nth degree and have all the support and love and belief that I, I could have and that my parents invested that not just in me, but in their society around them. You know, my my family were one of the first families that moved into Tottenham, with one of the first black families in Tottenham. And so the th- changes that they've had to ring through of, you know, being asked what it was like to, to live in their cave, and then the woman who asked my mum that, being a bit peeved when my mum showed her a picture of their lovely house at the veranda, um, you know, just getting scrag ends of meat and doing things like taking those scrag ends of meat from the butchers and cooking up really nicely and then taking them back and letting them taste the food and then they would start to give my mum better cuts of meat. All those kind of things that she broke down those stereotypes to enable her and us as a family to integrate into this society where initially when they came they were running through the streets away from Teddy Boys and the NF do you know what I mean? The, yeah. the, the, which given they were invited I mean yeah, they must yeah. have thought are they, we going to this yeah, great country hard, they're looking forward to seeing us yeah, and... yeah and they've asked us to come and, and we're, we're doing this work you know lots of black women went into nursing but still pushing through still doing all of that work and I think when you've made such swathes in society and, and made yourself a part and given the best of you and your culture <laughs> and everything about that, it is a real slap in the face to have that negated in any sort of way. The reason I asked about the number of roles you've played where you've got an American accent um, mm. and your role on Holby City, do you ever feel that you've not been given a fair chance at some roles, say, in the West End or in theatre anywhere, because because you're a black actress, um, you know, and I know people like Adrian Lester I've seen taking on lead roles in shows and so on, but, I mean, is that something you you feel? For me, it's not really in theatre. For me, it's in television. My theatre roles have, luckily, although 
95% of them are American. They are very diverse roles. Um, lots of, you know, I've done things like Killer Queen, Odessa in um, Amen Corner, Oda Mae Brown. Oda Mae Brown, I was going to say, know, yeah. They're, they're, they're very different characters and not all of them are supposed to be black. Killer Queen wasn't written as black. She was written as white. So the fact that I was playing her, they thought out of the box, that's fantastic. My thing is in television, especially when I first started, all I got seen for was nurses. No one ever wanted to see me for anything else. It was just a nurse because that's how casting thought of black women. And most black women that I grew up seeing on telly were nurses. And I got to a point where I, I wouldn't audition for telly anymore because I just didn't want to play another nurse. And when Holby came around, it was like, oh my God, she's a doctor and she's got some status and she has opinions and she's strong and she's the kind of woman that I wanted to see on telly when I was growing up. Yeah, no-brainer, absolutely, got to play Lola. What a joy. But it's, I found that most of the stereotyping for me has been in telly. And what about the American side of things? Uh, would you like to do more British stuff? Represent uh, represent more. the culture I'd that you've grown up in? Exactly. Yeah. I'd, you know, that is my experience. And I'd, I'd love to see that on, on the theatre stage more often so that people like me when I was growing up see themselves represented on, on, on stage. And also that there are... British stories to tell and I would love to tell those stories and a case in point was the series that I did recently called Informer which was set in London Rose was um, she was Afri of African descent but she was a Londoner grown up in London loves London I think the way that Informer portrayed London as another character in the series raw and vibrant and eclectic and diverse it's the London that I know and so for me to be a part of that show I was very very proud of it because I felt like I was you know representing the London that I know and love and I'd love to do more of that on stage. Sharon D. Clark talking to me about the wonderful Caroline Odd Change and congratulations to her mm. on her Olivia, much deserved oh, Olivia yes. Awards. It's Acting Up with Jamie Crick and Kerry Ellis and um, the other big show that has been so much a part has, of our first of series of Acting Up, <laughs> apart from Les Miserables, is Wicked. Of course, and we have had pretty much uh, a full cast in, well, we've had obviously Natty McQueen and we've had the wonderful Oliver Thompson, who was a magnificent guest. He was so much fun. We did talk about those white trousers. He made us laugh and he probably told a few too many stories about me too. <laughs> if, you've, if you've seen the show, so his character, Fiero, wears quite tight trousers, don't they? I mean, and, and, a, very, and a very short jacket. <laughs> and it's one of those moments uh, in the show which, you know, a lot of people talk about. They do, and I don't know why. Well, I do know why, obviously. I think you do know why. I do know, definitely you, know why. Because you mentioned it. I do, yeah. But he was so great. I mean, he, he's got so much to talk about, and he's had such a, an amazing career and done some really diverse characters, I think. And he was, he was so much fun, and he made us giggle, and, yeah, it was great. So let's talk about Wicked. By the way, I'm Fiero. What is it about the white trousers? No, <laughs> what is you, it? No, because you haven't stopped yeah, talking about... Yeah, I just had to clear something up. The white trousers have not got uh, <laughs> a, a tight over the years. I think... No, they uh, have. Uh, well, well, I mean, well... Oh, I Sorry. think mine were Sorry. the tightest. Mine were literally Yours painted was so on. Tight. Excuse, excuse well, me, we were all... that, is, that is your unique <laughs> fantasy. I'm sorry. <laughs> they may, they may, they may have got tighter again, 
but um, I mean, I, I went so. here and I went, why have they got baggy trousers? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they were, they were more like joppers. Mine were like ballet tights. If you haven't seen... <laughs> you, like they literally <laughs> went right up my... I'm not going to say. If you, <laughs> if you haven't seen <laughs> Wicked, then Fiona's Go. character does have these very... <laughs> Google it. <laughs> the sort of bolero jacket thing on. So, so it doesn't leave a lot <laughs> to the imagination <laughs> at all, does it? No. And when you see when you see him there, you, you're sort of like, right, well, there we are. Yeah. And that is a, as a, it's a bit like being a ballet dancer, male ballet it dancer, is, yeah. isn't it? You, oh. you sort of, it's not a lot to the imagination. No, no. But then you've got to do that big leap. I've always, this is, the, <laughs> no, this is really the thing oh, that no, gets that me. me. That leap that Fiero does. Off I, the rope or onto the statue? Onto the statue. No, no, no. Off, I and think it's right. off the statue, and, but halfway down. That's no, 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 the no, no, so up onto the statue. Because I always think Fiero's never like some... Very small, like light. You're, you know, usually a big strapping Beg your bloke. <laughs> big, big strapping bloke. Just the compliments coming. Big, it was, a, it was big, the trousers. It was a long holiday before I put those trousers it's, on. It's a big strapping sort of bloke, and you suddenly have to leap onto yeah. this. And you're watching it going, please, please don't trip. Please don't, please don't trip. Don't just get it. Oh, there we are. That's great. Has there been any moments, Ollie, back in that show, or in any show, in fact, that you've had a few little sort of Incidents. accidents on stage. <laughs> any, any, are you, are well. you particularly clumsy? Um, cl- not clumsy. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, this might be a bit too much detail, but in those <laughs> joppers, those ballet tights, <laughs> as we like to call them, the painted on trousers, I remember running at said statue and jumping up onto the statue after being in it for quite a while and underneath said ballet tights, said joppers, said <laughs> pants, you have to wear a jock strap. Yeah. Um, now, for those of you who don't aren't aware of what a jock strap is, they come in different designs. <laughs> Google, the one, it. Google, it. Google, Google it. The one I would prefer would be a support and a, a string that goes up the back of your crack. Yes, yes. Um, exactly. That, <laughs> but on one occasion when Certainly I fifty pence of your is uh, <laughs> <laughs> of, of your jock strap disappears yeah, somewhere yes, you don't like to when, talk about. Yes, and when I when I remember running at the statue and jumping up onto it, which you have to sort of you know you have to lift one leg rather higher than the other to get up there in the first place. I felt this huge release um, <laughs> oh, no. in the nether regions, no. and I didn't know what was going on. I was very confused. I was up on the statue singing some <laughs> big long note, thinking, what's happened, what's happened, what's happened? <laughs> and the rope had snapped. So I'd lost all support, but for a very short amount of time, I thought I'd lost control of something else. Because <laughs> I was like, that was a very odd sensation. So and luckily I get I to go it. off and get changed. But yeah, oh, I had a few... Normally at that point you'd visit the bathroom, wouldn't you? Oh, but there yeah. you are on stage yeah. in front of a few thousand yeah. people. I mean, yeah. Yeah. But my most, mem- my most memorable hiccup was between me and Kerry. Oh, please don't. Um, Hello. Um, I mean, oh. I, I, may have, I may have remembered this incorrectly. You can correct me if I do, but it you might have been two didn't. separate occasions. But I'm going to combine oh. them, even oh, if it no, is two occasions. Me and Kerry sat down to sing As Long As You're Mine. And, um, oh, no. and, um, oh, no. sorry, sorry, this is you've got to see this is Kerry Ellis, head in hand. Oh, no, it's true. Me That's and Kerry right. sort okay. of uh, knelt down to sing As Long As You're Mine, which for Fierro is, you know, his, his, his only other big moment, and for Alphabet, it's just a you know, it's a small part a of her song. show, yeah. And um, she forgot her lyrics completely, <laughs> and and so I decided to sing in the girl's key, um. Kiss me too fiercely. And I started to try and egg her on, oh. and which made us laugh so much. To which we completely... And then, completely and, then, and then we basically, throughout the song, managed to just about, just about, get each, get each word out, but only between the two of us. Oh. I don't think at any point we were both singing at the same time. 
and we got to the end of the song after corpsing our way through it so badly and then there's a moment where as, as a lot of Wicked fans will know where we would go she goes I go what is it and she goes it's just I feel wicked and then we will kiss and then after the kiss there's this there's this chord that is designed to engineer applause like yeah, in yeah, a typical yeah. musical theatre way and what happened after that was probably about a quarter of the audience clapping and the rest, of, um, the rest of the audience going, the rest oh, just, oh my God, I don't know what's going on. The rest is certainly <laughs> going, what, what are they, what are they, what's <laughs> mouth open. It was, I mean, I remember that feeling. It was, it felt so sick. sick but what, and what happens, like, does the MD come up and give you a slap Oh no, you do, we did, do you get I think we, we, did, we did, get, get, we got a little slap on the wrist and I remember me and Kerry for about two or three weeks after that not really being very good friends with each other purely because we were like, I can't look at you. It's, we weren't blaming each other, but just like, let's just... I need to get moody with you, because otherwise yeah. I'm going to We had to distance ourselves <laughs> socially like so we could get on with our job like professionally. Fairness, there can't be many Fieros that we're able to hit those high notes to, to no, take over from you. I think that's what made nice, me laugh. I, I found it so funny. So I still find it funny so. now. Hello and welcome to a brand new podcast for TV fans by TV fans, dedicated to everything on the box that's both on and in demand. On my Sky Planner, you will see things like wheeler dealers, the world's most luxurious airliners. That's a good mix. <laughs> Jeffers, what should we be keeping an eye on? We've got Cold Feet returning. The trailer looks very interesting. It's James Nesbitt and co. It's really worked, this comeback for ITV. Ready for your Tuesday morning commute. Series linked with me, Emma Bullymore and Mark Jeffries. It's Acting Up Pod with myself, Kerry Ellis and Jamie Crick. And we've been doing a little mega mix this week of all of our favourites. I like that. Is I know, it a it's mashup? Good. It's good. Is there like a, I like a mega mix because it makes mega me feel mix. like we're going to do a big song. <laughs> yeah. And I haven't sung for a five minutes, so I need to sing. And coming up, we still have the gorgeous Ben Forster. And I've been touring with Calabro. We've talked about that a lot, which is about to end on the 20th of April at the Royal Albert Hall. But first, the wonderful Rachel Tucker, who talked to us about Come From Away, and it was amazing to hear her stories. So, so many people love this show. They and, do. And, and just if you've not heard about it or seen it, and the music's amazing, but it is about 9 11. Mm. And so many people I've talked to say, How can you make a musical about such an appalling day? And I mean, I can remember the images oh. of the Twin Towers going down, and even now, just makes me feel funny and I get shivery sort of feeling oh, just to yeah. think about the appalling thing that happened. But from that, this show is about some of the planes that were grounded mm -hmm. in a part of Canada where basically the population doubled as they looked after the people who'd been affected by it. Absolutely. And that's such a lovely lovely idea to take from a disaster such an appalling disaster and it seems to have really kind of touched a nerve with people and but there seems to be such a positive response to this show and that's been followed by all the olivier nominations for the show so it's what happens after 9-11 it's the events the five days after in a beautiful tiny little island called newfoundland gander in newfoundland which is just off the coast of canada now, what a lot of people don't know is that there were over 200 planes across the US airspace wow. that were not allowed to land and had to go elsewhere. So Canada took 200 or so. Gander, this tiny island, took 38 planes. Oh. 
Oh now, the island itself holds 7,000 people. There was double that by the time they emptied these 38 planes. So it's the events that happened in these next five days and the generosity, the humanity that came from this tragedy is what this story is about. It's so heartwarming. It's Your boots will be filled with joy and love and laughter and hope. That, and it's just what we need right now. And it's it's actually about real life people, isn't it? Yes. And, and some of those people have been to see you and talk to you. Yeah. Have, were they ever in rehearsals? Did you actually get to speak to the people who your characters are? Some of us did decide to. I didn't. Um, I play Captain Beverly Bass. She's the first American US pilot, female US oh. pilot in history. She's the first female pilot, which I think is incredible. And she came to visit. She's still flying, but um, she has been to see Come From Away and the productions around the world over 130 times. So I met her in Dublin, her and her beautiful husband, Tom, and a lot of the the people either on the plane or the the Newfoundland people that come from awares. And they've been so influential on background and filling us in with what the weather was like on the day and just how generous everybody in Gander were. Could we just have a bit of a wicked moment here? Because, come on, I mean, we we got two offers. Here, so uh, <laughs> two for the price we of one. We don't often get in a room together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, uh, yeah. your memories, your memories of it. I mean, do you, did you, have you talked and do you share, like, you know, well, what, what those backstage that crew that day were, you know, was, is it? Because what was the gap between you two doing it? Was it, well, you, you didn't go straight in after Karen? No, no, no I went in after Alexa Kadim. That's right. Yeah, so. You don't well not usually because if uh, if we do see each other on it's, a on a social level it's we don't have time to chat and it, back to, right, it, it's almost it, like yeah. if you if we were on a show together which would probably be rare because hey, if there's an idea anyone want to write a show anyone listening want to write a really good show you me Lou Demon that's going to happen now you put out ether um you don't yeah you kind of don't get a lot of time and I think we're very rarely booked at the same time, you know. If, if yeah. especially like concert-wise, if Rachel's doing something, then um, you know they wouldn't book me, and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's we don't often get a lot of time to do it. And usually, now that we're we're mummies, you know, usually it goes straight it's for the kids. The it's all yeah, about yeah. the kids. Yeah, I was going to say if we... the shows come later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But did you have you both? Presumably, you both had your own favourite moments of Elphaba. I wonder if they differed. Is there a particular moment in the show where you particularly loved versus you like? And it changed every night. It changed. I did it. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. On the show, the sound, the band, the Mm. audience. Not variables. But what's interesting about about what you said about Broadway, Rachel, is that actually for you to have gone and seen it and thought, actually, this is the first big show that's had a major impact Mm. on me, to then get the chance to play the Mm. role, Mm. I mean, that must have been the biggest dream come true at the time. Yeah, it was. Mm. I remember saying to mum and my sister after the show, the ushers were trying to get us out of our seats and my sister was leaning over me, patting me on the back as as she was consoling me. I I was that, I couldn't move. And my mum was at the aisle going, what is going on? Is there something wrong? I was like, I just need to see it again. I was shaking. (laughs) I swear to God, I was like a crazy, crazy man. So after gin and tonic, obviously later, and my nerves calmed, I said, I I swear to God I'm going to play that role. I promise you. I had no idea playing on Broadway. Yeah. But, but I was like, I'm wow. going to play that role. Okay, so it only took 10 years, but that's so, all right. So, so one, one more, and then we'll move on. One more question, uh, Wicked. Favourite song from it? Because is it like, is it The Wizard and I? Is it Defying Gravity? Is it what? what I mean, favourite song to sing? Or to yeah, sing? well, <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Mm. <laughs> well, you sing most of them in the show, yeah. to be fair. I mean, yeah. Honestly, yeah. I used to... I there used is a big difference, isn't there? It's, it's for me, fun. I used to... I didn't love Wizard and I because I was still trying to warm up. It's hard, Especially isn't it? Now. Now. Yeah. It's so like, hard. It's a big song to do. Yeah. And then it's sing, speak, talky, singies, talky, singy, which isn't good on your voice. 
And then by defying gravity, weird, I was like, yep, let's go. And I used to really enjoy Van Gravity. Put me on that crane. Right. I'll, I'll be there. Cherry picker. Yeah, Put yeah. me up there. Rachel Tucker there talking about Come From Away and her career and all those phenomenal nominations. And they actually won some Olivier's. Yay, go Come From Away. Yes, best new musical, I think it was as well. So fantastic. And music too. This is Acting Up with Kerry Ellis and Jamie Crick. You can subscribe, Acting Up Pod, wherever you get your uh, podcasts. And make sure you subscribe so you get an update. Now, this is the last of the current series. We're back in a couple of weeks with a brand new series as we look ahead to all the events coming up, not least West End Live, new shows that are launching, so much to talk about. But right now we're hearing some of the best interviews uh, that we've had, and they have been some extraordinary interviews mm. with great characters. Um, <laughs> talking of great characters... <laughs> Um, Someone who's played them all. Ben Foster. um, Really, honestly, all you need to do is to wind him up, set him going, (laughs) and we could be here for hours, 24 hours. He's lovely. He had so much to say and so many good stories. A little one about Andrew Lloyd Webber in there and about uh, House in Barbados. That was exciting. And uh, and some auditions, some audition dramas that he went through. So that was fun. Talk to us about um, being in Phantom as well Mm. um, and actually playing Jesus. I mean, the two breeds. Really big, strong male roles, yeah. and vocally, of course, playing, playing Jesus Gethsemane and things. Actually, like vocally, tough. completely different, though. Yeah, it very was, different. It was quite a weird thing because I've always had a really versatile voice. When I was doing Jesus Christ Superstar, I was using a real rock voice, and through that whole TV talent show, I was showcasing a, a rock and pop sound, and I loved doing that. After Jesus Christ Superstar, I did Evita and I played Magaldi and Andrew. So Andrew Lloyd Webber saw me sing Magaldi, and Magaldi has got a song on this night of a thousand stars, which is quite mm. a legit operatic sound. He's playing this sort of operatic singer, you know, in in Argentina, and and it was the first time Andrew had heard that legit sound. So he came up to me at the after party of the opening night of Evita and was like, "You're a phantom." I didn't know, but you're a phantom, and I was wow. like. What? That's, what? that's what you uh, want to hear, isn't and it? He said, can, you, can you sign this, please? No, he literally... He li- can I have that in writing? <laughs> he literally said, can you come to my house on Tuesday and let's <gasps> sing it? I went to Andrew's house, which was hysterical. I mean, I love him and I love his family and we've become friends and I've since been to like the house in Barbados and stuff, but... Walking to his house through Green Park, I was oh like, my God. where oh my am I going? Yes. How am I walking? I only there? have to go and see <laughs> Phantom here. And for Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah. Did he play for you? Uh, he played yeah. for me, yeah. And wow. then he got, there was someone else there to play, but he did play, he got on the piano and was like, let's do it, let's take our time, think this, think that, do it from your heart and all that kind of stuff. And after that session, he said, right, let's get in the room with Cameron. So I went and um, sang through the material for Cameron, which was a complete disaster. Oh, I, I completely why? lost my voice. So I never thought that I was going to get that that role. It, it's, it's a weird thing. So I, I, I was doing Elf at the same time. Mm. I'd done Elf for a year before, I think, if I'm not wrong. And they'd asked me to do it again, and it was on hold because I knew I might be doing Phantom. And I went and did this final audition for Cameron on stage at the Her Majesty's Theatre. On Theater. stage? on stage and I had a Christine there and it was all like I just threw me in the deep end but so they gave me a half an hour session to work before Cameron arrived and in that session I just blew it I, oh, I literally it's that moment where you think am I gonna, gonna get this uh, right? hard, like just like five minutes before I was like <clears throat> you were curse <clears throat> you were curse curse I was like I've got oh, no voice no. and the music I could see everyone's faces oh, sinking God. 
and they're going, Cameron's coming. Yeah, <laughs> and and the musical director came to me and said, do you need to take a break? Do you want to have a cup of tea? And I was like, I, can someone just go <laughs> can and get... Can get my voice back? I was like, can someone just get me tea and can I have 10 minutes? I was like, I need 10 minutes. And I went on stage and I sang and it was awful. Oh. I mean, I was I was awful, Can't honestly. Can't have been that bad, though. It, it, role. I mean, it's weird. I really felt awful. Uh, and I walked out of there and I rang my, my manager and I said, take Elf. They'd been threatening me that they were going to give it to Will Young. The producer was like, if you don't answer me today, I'm giving it to Will Young. <laughs> and so I was like, do you know what? Let's not mess around anymore. I'm not going to get Phantom. That was awful. Just accept Elf. And then they rang, like, half, like literally within half an hour, saying, yeah, we want you to do it. And I was like, and then my manager was like, I've just said yes to Elf. And I was oh, like, oh, my dear. God. So then there was a whole drama. Oh, bad. And they had to get John Owen Jones to step in for three months for me in Phantom while I was doing oh, Elf because I'd said yes. Wow. Yeah. Ben Foster, what a character, talking to us about, well, of course, he's the Phantom. He is. So, and he's been doing that for a while, but he just loves it. Oh, he's just such a joy. You know, I've seen him sing so many different things, but Phantom, he just sings that Phantom so beautifully. And Gethsemane, if anyone gets to hear him sing, Gethsemane. Gethsemane. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Which is from Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm-hmm. And it's the moment of the show where, again, it's about the death of Jesus, but you, you're watching it and you almost want to leap to your feet and go, oh, wow, what a performance. But you feel you shouldn't because because yeah. of what the story is about. It's, yeah, it's yeah. just, it's one of those songs and, and it's a tr- it's tough. It's a big song, but he's just brilliant. I mean, talking about big songs and big singers, another fabulous singer that we had in, actress, singer, Lucy Jones. Now, I just adored her. She was brilliant and, you know, she's done things like Legally Blonde and uh, she was in here talking about all of her career and highlights and uh, she was fantastic. L for me has always been a dream role and so I saw it lots and lots of times and I never even imagined that I would have the opportunity to audition for it and I went into audition in Curve and I was called in for Paulette which I thought was strange because I think I was 23 not a buxom girl or anything not a playing older kind of girl and I went into the room and I just kind of went can I sing for Al? And they all went, yeah, sure. And started like shuffling papers and finding material and things. And then I got the job the next day. And wow. I loved Amazing. it. Absolutely loved it. It just proves if you ask, you get. Yes. That's true. Yeah. But yeah. in that situation, obviously, you must have presumably prepared to sing for Paulette. So when you went, I'm going to sing for Al, did you already have a bit of an L up your sleeve anyway? Or Because how does that work oh, in I, that instance? I knew the whole show. There you so. go. Yeah. Did you just go to Acapella? Six, six times. No, indeed, in but still. London, but yeah. just to, to, to get up there and do it, it's got some, got some balls. Yeah, no. I, I mean, I was I was ready for them to say no entirely. So I was I was ready to give you a good bash of Ireland, but uh, didn't have to do it. So you got into the show, you got the role, and then how long did you do the tour for? Yeah, sorry, I, I, I digress. Um, I, <laughs> okay. So that was that was a separate version. That was a Curve production of Legally Blonde. Yeah. So I did that uh, with John Robbins and Tupele and Ian Kelsey and some wonderful people. For we only did about six or seven weeks run. It was a short run. Then the show finished, it broke my heart. I went home and I did one of those dramatic things where I got home and had nothing to do and I was so depressed that I ripped up the deck in the garden. And I, I was just like, I need a, I need a project. So I ripped you, up the ri- deck. Do you want to get on the wrong side of Lucy? No. I'm slowly <laughs> moving away. You must have some strong arms. Well, you? you say this, but I, I mean, I should have said I started to rip up the deck, got bored about 45 minutes later and left it for about three months. And then my husband was like, you, you have to finish this. You must finish this and then I got another job and went off um I did rent for a while and then when I was doing rent Legally Blonde the tour 
which was a different production, came forward and they kind of said, would you like to audition? And I jumped at the chance because I loved it so much. It was entirely different. The whole experience was entirely different. But the thing that I take away from it was I still love that role and I would do it again in a heartbeat. And that tour was just under a year long. I love it when things go wrong in shows on stage. So oh I, I, like, I, I love that. <laughs> you know I've got this so is many oh, stories. Oh, tell us one. Oh, yeah, so yeah, many. Um, okay, when I did Legally Blonde, the, op- the very, very first show of the tour, we were in Bromley, and there's no... The Churchill, isn't yes, it? Yes, the mm. Churchill Theatre, yeah. There's no... With, with our show, because we filled the space, there was no behind-the-stage crossover, so you had to go down two flights of stairs, <laughs> run underneath oh, the stage yeah. and back up two flights, which, thank God, I never had the time to do. And we did a dress rehearsal. <laughs> we did a dress rehearsal uh, in the afternoon and I did gotta find my way went off stage left put my graduation cap and gown on and went back on stage at the back to do my ladies and gentlemen of the class of 2000 and here's the part where the end of show and they stopped and they said we're going to change that we want you to go off stage right because you followed Warner off and it doesn't make any sense I was like great fine okay the whole show is like run by and I'm so like excited and nervous and I get to that point and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I've remembered this. I'm great. I am so good right now. <laughs> I, I go off stage, right? And there is not a soul in the wing. Nobody, like no one. There's no costumes, there's nothing. In the meantime, I'm like ripping my clothes off because I've got like 13 seconds or something to get changed. So no crew, no, no, no nobody. No, and now you're not in your soul. underwear. No I'm literally on. in like Spanx <laughs> tights, a bra, and a wig. Like, I'm not joking. <laughs> oh yeah, always, always the class, class, class for me. But yeah, so I'm like, okay, I have to get to the other side because either I've got this wrong. Turned out I had. They wanted to do it tomorrow. Okay, <gasps> tomorrow was the day we were starting. I don't know why. So what happened? Well, this is what happened, so Perry. You got two flights of stairs to get down. Either that or, or run across. I the just back. run across, across the back the of the stage in, in your Spanx tights and. Uh... Well, at this moment, <laughs> Vivian is at the front of the stage giving you Shakespeare once wrote and like starting the valedictorian speech. And I was like, she's in a spotlight in front of the curtain. I can get across that stage quickly. <laughs> so I go to the back of the stage where there's a podium kind of yeah. level. And I ran halfway across... God, can't believe I'm telling you this. I ran halfway across <laughs> the stage and heard kind of five or six of the cast who were all set on stage already to do the next bit of scene burst into tears. Like, it wasn't laughter. It was, it was like, It was sobs. howling, it was sobbing. Awful. <laughs> it was... Um, and I kind of glanced and then realised that there was, like, a thousand people looking at me. <laughs> and, like, thank God it was dark. It was dark, but it was you the opening there. night, so I had lots of friends and family. I my agent that. was there. Did, did anyone notice? Oh, God, absolutely. I did, though. You managed to get your costume back I on, got my costume on and I got on stage, but when I got on stage, they were all, I'm not joking, in floods of tears. Yeah. Like, like Mostly. shaking and and then Aww. I had to do a really tender lovely I thank you one and all the Aww. ones who thought I'd fall who taught me how to fail it's really lovely yeah, like yeah. rousing moment end of the and show all you can see in your and head I'm like looking is, at the I just sky. walked across the back of the stage and they're all crying laughing at me no sport nothing I was like oh god I thank you one and all and they're going Pfft. 
brilliant. So there's one. I could honestly, I could go on. So that sounds like a disaster on stage. <laughs> I mean, it, it's a good one. You're it is a good about, one. I didn't realise that the other week you were talking about breaking the broom in oh, no in Wicked. I know. How do you break the broom in Wicked? Well, you know what it is. It's bec- it, you carry around this broom for the entire show, and yeah. that's you know eight times a week. It's a, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a commitment. The, the the broom's kind of attached to your arm, and. Yeah. I think it just got weak and, and you know, I'm chucking it around and I'm like, I'm doing the actions right now, so you can't you see it. But gravi- I'm defying oh, no, gravity. I can't defy yeah, gravity now because lost my broom. broom has gone. Yeah, it just snapped in half. But the good thing about that was that the audience could see. And the, the great things that happen on stage, the best, the funniest things are when everybody's in on the joke. It's not funny if the cast are in on the joke and the audience aren't, but yeah. it was so obvious. The audience saw it snap and everybody fell apart laughing. I can't believe you break the I'd love to. Yeah, <laughs> They if built anyone it. had a camera phone, <laughs> uh, we've still got to actually our worst moments to come because apparently we're going to have the outtakes. Oh, uh, which no. I really think is, I wasn't in the contract, I'm just no. checking here. <laughs> There'll be a lot of laughing, that, you know. I think. So um, let's talk about <laughs> your current production or show, which ends this week, mm-hmm. and that's with Calabro. It is. We've had the best time. We've been touring up and down the country. I believe they've done 52 dates. Uh, wow. I've done about 40 of them, and we end at the Royal Albert Hall. It's going to be such an event, and they're the best guys. You know, they've they've been so brilliant and hardworking, and their fans have been unbelievable. Really, they're committed, and we've had the best time. It's going to be great. Why did you book the Albert Hall, and what is it about this tour, like ending at the special. Albert Hall? Why is it so special it's to so you? Special. Well, we've we've done it, I think, four times now, yeah. but we've headlined it once, and uh, it's just. I think when you think of the quintessential English venue, that's it, isn't it? It's the Royal Albert Hall. And then when, when we decided to do this mammoth tour and we were thinking about where to finish it off, it was the Royal Albert Hall. And then we are like, well, let's just make the whole album and the tour about the Royal Albert Hall. And we'll just call the whole thing, Road to the Royal Albert Hall, and that'll be that. Because it's special. OK, a couple of silly things. OK, best fan gift. Best gift you've ever got from a fan. We've gotten a few stars named after us, actually, which is pretty cool. Good shout. Have you ever looked up into the sky and seen it? I, I don't, I, you know, have I you found uh, it? I'm, 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 I'm looking at every, all the hundreds of stars. Yeah. That one exactly right there. Very, very recently, uh, we were just given a, a crystal <laughs> with like a 3D image of each of our faces inside oh. of it, and you put it on a rotating platform. Oh. It's lovely. It is very, very nice. But I think it, if I had that in my bedroom, it would be weird. I, it would be. Ver- it, It'd be weird. Give it to your mum. I'll give it to yeah. a rotating 3D head of just, yourself. Just, just my head rotating on a little platform. I love that. It That's is. brilliant. brilliant. Good luck with the show this weekend, Kerry. Thank you. Uh, which is the Royal Albert Hall, the end of the... Does it feel, when you finish, like... I know it's been lots of shows, and you've talked every week you've come in about how much fun you've had at different places all yeah. over the country, but does it feel... Like that's the end of school or something, end of term. Yeah, a little bit, but you know, it's it's kind of how life is for me. I go into a show. You you might be there for six months. You might be there for a year, two years. You might, and jobs like this, you know, when you're touring with a company for a, a short period of time, it does become like a family, and it's it's very strange. You become very close to these people, and then all of a sudden it finishes, and you move on to the next job, and that's just how it is. But we're kind of used to it. But um, I think I'm going to be in touch with these guys for a long time, and hopefully we'll get 
get to perform together again because they've been great. Well, it's been a blast. Thank you very much. Yes, thank you. End of our first series of Acting Up. Uh, don't forget Acting Up Pod if you want to subscribe. We would love you to do that and have a listen to the whole series. Oh, and you could the l- binge, binge listen. Binge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the longer versions of all of those interviews. And that's it from me, Jamie Crick and Kerry Ellis. Thank you very much thank indeed. You very Johnny much. Bunyan, who isn't with us this week, I think he left because of the art takes. I think he did because I think he's probably got some of the best ones. Yeah. So these are <laughs> the best worst bits, shall we say? <laughs> and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye bye. Bye. Well, what a week! Hello, hello. <laughs> sorry, sorry, hello, sorry. I was sipping there, sitting on some water. Sorry, you, know, yeah. sorry. you should leave that in. Um, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely fabulous. Absolutely love it. Absolutely. Now, just before we go, don't say absolutely because <laughs> you start every. <laughs> Each week, we like to hear any disaster stories. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> you running to the loo? Oh, We're going to get you running upstairs. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> <Sorry. laughs> and to kill a mockingbird and. Uh, uh, and to kill a mocking, oh, I forgot to say. And to kill a mocking board, board actually, it's as is. <laughs> cool, you ready? I think Always. so. Lovely. So open a. <laughs> <scene>. <laughs> it's just such clean effect. Thank you. There we go. Pop down to the Savoy Theatre, home of Nine to Five the Musical. Nine to five. What did I say? Nine to five. Nine. So where have you been, Johnny? So I popped down to the Savoy. <laughs> John Caswell there. Uh, what a lovely guy. And mm. yeah, um, fingers crossed that he uh, cracks on onto... Oh, sorry. <laughs> Talking of people's theatre week. Absolutely. I don't want to say that. Absolutely. You haven't said it this week. You haven't done it. Which is a bit like the real belly... Uh, belly? <laughs> real belly, Elliot. <laughs> That's a good one. You'll thank me for that. <laughs> and I couldn't help but pop. <laughs> you popped, did you? I couldn't help but pop. Did you? <laughs> oh, I wish I'd have got that in there. So there that would have been brilliant. Oh, I was dear. coming out and I popped. <laughs> yeah, it's all going on for With you this week, Johnny. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> it's all getting in the outtakes, apparently, so... It's like the sword of Damocles above you, isn't it? It's like, oh, that'll be in the outtakes. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so I can't do Just it. endless giggling. <laughs> right, OK. <clears throat> He's gone now. <laughs> Acting Up is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com.